Riley holds his press conference, and we got a bit of news. Uh, he did not say that Baker Mayfield's statue will be of him planting the flag, but I will be terribly disappointed if that's not what it is. How about you? Uh, I will be completely bummed, and I don't see any other options on the table. I mean, there's the crotch grab, but, you know, that's that may, 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 we'll, maybe we'll not. keep it PG-13. I was about to say, <laughs> may, may, maybe not how you want to be immortalized for all time. May, maybe not. Well, yeah, you probably want your hand somewhere else, like on a flagpole instead of that situation, but <laughs> to each his own, I guess. As Colin Kennedy, he's staff writer at OUinsider.com. We're going to talk through Lincoln Riley's spring football press conference where the news, as we alluded to, is Baker Mayfield is getting his statue unveiled in historic fashion. They're going to do it inside Memorial Stadium, which, you know, we primarily deal in recruiting. So this this feels like a hell of a recruiting flex. Am I wrong here? Oh, no, you're right on the spot. I mean, this is exactly a tactic by Oklahoma's coaching staff to basically have a bunch of high-profile recruits stare and watch as about 60,000 or so scream and cheer for the unveiling of a Heisman Trophy ceremonial statue. So, no, this is exactly a calculated effort by Lincoln Riley and his crew to make sure the recruits are taking that aspect of what they have to offer into account. So the the other news is injury-related, right? So, so Jalen Redmond being out feels significant because – He's had such issues in the past uh, dealing primarily with blood clots. And while there was, you know, no allusion to that, the silver lining here for me is that maybe we get more Corey Roberson. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely an opportunity for Corey to step up. And again, I mean, I also feel like Redmond, whether or not you want to call him established, he him being removed from the situation just certainly allows all these other guys to rotate and get more experience because we've touched on it on this show that defensive line is going to have to do some major overhaul in terms of talent level production, who's going to be the guy because Neville Gallimore is not there and Ronnie Perkins is probably not going to be playing for the first few games. So taking all that in consideration, I mean, it, you would like to have Redmond in there, but again, I mean, Roberson gets some reps. That puts probably some more emphasis and pressure on Stokes or a Perrion Winfrey or Josh Ellison, what have you. So I think that in the end, this is kind of one of those moments where, look, if Redmond is going to be full go come fall camp, this could probably be some sort of ideal situation moving forward. Right. And to finish off this, Nick Benito, Marcus Major, and DeLaren Turner-Yell are going to be limited in spring practice, so don't expect to see a whole lot of them. And then Trey Sermon, Redmond, Theo Howard and John Michael Terry are going to be out. Uh, Howard, Achilles in injury. John Michael Terry with the ACL from last year, along with uh, Sermon. And again, Redmond just kind of odd there. But the big news on the defensive side of the ball is Robert Barnes and Jamal Morris moving down to play linebacker, to which I'm interested here because the last time we saw Robert Barnes, his dead body was on the five-yard line at the Orange Bowl where Josh Jacobs ran over it and into a first-round selection with the Las Vegas Raiders. And Jamal Morse was a strong safety type. I could see this going either way because even in high school, Robert Barnes looked like the kind of guy that was going to be an, a linebacker. He's just going to outgrow the safety position. But is this just another Ryan Jones? 
because that's how this feels. It feels like they're doing that thing that I hate, which is moving guys around into positions they don't normally play, and then we're going to watch the kids, you know, flounder because that ain't what they're built to do, but do you think that that's because they were in a different scheme and, and Grinch knows more about what he's doing? Or, I mean, because I, I just, I'm not sure about the tweeners that come before Alex Grinch gets here and how they're going to fit in, man. Yeah, I think kind of my big concern here is that I feel like, number one, I, I certainly understand the justification for putting Robert Barnes a linebacker, right? He's got the frame to do it. He needs to add a little bit more weight. But at the same time, he's always been a physical guy that has a reputation for stepping up in the box and hitting somebody. So that being the case, I, I see the validity. And then number two, that validity is then further justified because of the fact that there is little to no linebacker depth at this stage. And I think they are going to have to find something to do in terms of the linebacker rotation. Because, I mean, Ryan Jones, you mentioned him earlier, he's gone. Levi Draper's gone. There's just not much there in terms of the back end guys. But then, I mean, Kenneth Murray is unavailable to the Oklahoma Sooners. And so that you're asking a lot of Caleb Kelly and Deshaun White in terms of replacing that guy. So that being said, those two not only have to focus on their on-field play, they have to focus on learning everything off the field. So then you have to be able to throw guys out there to rep at the inside linebacker spots. And right now they just don't have enough bodies to comfortably do that. So I, I, I understand it, but I also see what you're saying. And I think it's a very valid point. Don't make this guy, who was a very good athlete and had such a high reputation coming out of high school, just another number, right? Like, don't see him as a chess piece. I mean, Robert Barnes has the talent to impact a roster, but at the same time, if you're making this move because, oh, well, maybe he'll fit here or maybe he'll fit there, or we just need someone to fill in this position, that's not what services the kid at the end of the day. And that's where you can kind of see that waterfall into a Ryan Jones effect, where it just things don't pan out. So that's what I'm going to be following in terms of not only him, but I mean, Jamal Morris already having to shovel ball around this early in his career. It's got to be, I don't want to say concerning, but you just hope he's going to stick somewhere right. So early on. Yeah. And I wonder if that has to do with speed, long speed as it were, because he's much more of a box safety, but he was also a tremendously good tackler coming out of high school. And he, He's basically a bigger DeLarian Turner yell for me. So I, I kind of agree with that move. But I also am a fan of kids playing the positions that they've learned to play the most coming out of high school. Also means that Shane Witter is going to get a really good, hard look at linebacker this spring, which is good because he's a do-everything type of player. He, for me, is what Jalen Conyers will be on the other side of the ball, just a freak athlete where you want to have him get touches or in the – and the answer is a witter. You want to put him in the best position to come downhill and make tackles. I think he can surprise some people. And then Brendan Walker gets there this summer. We'll have something to say about that. But Riley's saying Brian Asamoah is one of the more talented guys in that linebacker room. I think we forget he was a running back primarily coming out of high school. So that's going to be interesting as well. I mean, you, you, you always need depth. And spring football is always kind of odd because we don't usually see a whole lot of it. And we see a lot of excuses. But one guy that is not going to be limited in how he is plays or practice as, put the S on the end of that, RJ, is Trey Norwood and yeah. Scrappy Slim, who is listed now at about buck eighty five on Sooner Sports' website, which is tremendous. That's a tremendous weight gain for him. 
I'm interested to see how he carries it coming off the ACL injury and what he figures in to do because it sounds like he's going to battle for that other cornerback position opposite Trey Brown with Jaden Davis, which I think only makes you better. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, I'm a huge Trey Norwood guy. I just think he's a phenomenal talent and a really good individual, which then factors in to how you play on the field. And that's why he was one of the most efficient cornerbacks slash nickelbacks in the entire country on third down before he got hurt. That's why he was such an impressive player to Alex Grinch when Grinch and his crew first arrived on campus. And and then you heard, I mean, Lincoln said, quote unquote, that he's exceeding expectations and rehab and he's doing everything we're asking him to do. So keeping all of that into consideration, I think that Trey Norwood may have a lot riding on his shoulders to replace Parnell Motley. I mean, yes, we talked about Kenneth Murray, Neville Gallimore, but the loss of Piedmont is something that cannot go overlooked. And how are you going to replace someone that basically shut down whoever was in front of him? That's where what you're talking about comes into to factor. Is Norwood going to take this new frame, this new system, and then meet that caliber of play? I think he can do it. I really do. I think he's that good of a player. But at the same time, I'm, I'm also not going to sh- be shocked if there's some sort of learning curve in the spring because he's just been out for so long and he's been working so hard on adding strength and size. We'll see how it works, but I'm excited to see what Trey Norwood brings to the table here pretty soon. 100%. And talking about pre- replacing Parnell Motley, 33 career pass breakups is fifth in career history uh, in school history 13 of those came last season and was one of the only guys that actually had a decent ball game against LSU with seven tackles and look Joe Burrow threw for 29 to 39 and a million yards and like 98 touchdowns in the Peach Bowl but two of those incompletions were Parnell Motley putting his hands in front of footballs against what many people believe is the best wide receiver core from last year up against perhaps Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get that kind of production out of Trey Norwood, that's going to be tremendous. On the other side of the ball, just thinking about how Riley was characterizing the offensive line play and coming up with a couple of guys to join those three starters on the, that return from the offensive line, it sounds like they could be screwed. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Like, the way that he's talking, he's like, we, no, we weren't bad, and they weren't, but he wasn't singing their praises, man, and knowing that they're no. going to do some moving and sh- and shaking and, you know, who's going to be your left tackle because, uh, you know, I have this piece coming later with, uh, I got to talk with R.J. Proctor and he finished the last four games at left tackle for OU, which is to say that Eric Swinton didn't. And what's that mean for Bray Walker? And we're really trying to talk up Stacey Wilkins, but is he going to be the guy? I don't know. And nobody knows but Bill Biedenboe, but this is not that was that was not a good look this afternoon, man. No, it was not. And it really leaves a ton of question marks as opposed to maybe some answers because again, not only are you you questioning who's going to take the two leftover spots, but at the same time, I mean, we're talking about Creed Humphrey, Tyrese Robinson, Marquise Hayes, basically come back. I don't really know how Swenson factors in here. We know Adrian Ely is going to be a key factor there. But I was really interested in what you also mentioned, the fact that he not only said we have some guys coming back, but we're still considering plenty of shuffling. And if you're shuffling that much and you're willing to shuffle, 
that to me indicates that there's a need to shuffle. And if that is true, then yeah, I'd be pretty concerned if I were a fan or a coach because you can't really have the offensive line up in the air right now, especially given your quarterback situation. You have to groom a young guy to take over that that position. So, yeah, I'm really, really interested in that young offensive line. You would think that a bunch of those guys coming back would be an advantage, but it sounds like anything but that at this stage. So what steps does Adrian Ely, Tyrese Robinson, Marquise Hayes, who's up to about 65, 344 pounds, what steps do they take? Where do they play? And then what is Creed Humphrey going to do? Because he didn't participate in the spring last year. So how is that going to help or maybe hurt? We'll see what happens. But, man, you have to be concerned about where the Oklahoma Sooners are at offensive line-wise. especially. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mentality concern. All right, I just had life happen, and somebody was beating down the door, so that was my fault. I apologize. It happens. You're good, man. It happens. Uh, hey, man. That's live, that's live content production. <laughs> All right, so in, uh, pick it up where you're talking about with Creed Humphrey. That was a dude that we all expected to be a first-round draft pick this year and most definitely is not. And the way that Riley was really kind of hedging or so it felt about what they expect him to be, again, not a good look because of all the dudes on that offensive line you expected to be a leader – that he's it, man. And now we're this is disconcerting to me. It just it is because I'm thinking, wait a second. Adrian Ely, Tyrese Robinson, Marquise Hayes, Eric Swenson. I'm going. All of these guys were good, right? Apparently not. And then what does Bray Walker figure? And by the way, I'm being facetious when I say that, so I'm prefacing this. Is Daryl Simpson alive? I, uh, hey, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Like, uh, I mean, come on, man. Like, you know, is Daryl Simpson alive? Is David Swaby alive? Is Finley Felix alive? Like, what are we? Like, <laughs> like we, yeah, man. It, it was weird because, like, we heard a bunch about uh, Finley Felix, and then he just never factored into plans last season. Yeah, it's uh, this is such a bad look, and I don't, I don't think any of these guys are misses. I don't want to, I don't want to make that uh, that leap, but. Right. If there was ever a year for which we might see a true freshman playing on the offensive line, this might be it. Because, like, if if they feel this way about guys that are returning, what's to say that they don't feel great about Andrew Rain just playing right away? I don't know, man. I, I'm Maybe I'm just I'm being a little bit too much of an alarmist here. But... I can't stop thinking about this offensive line in large part because you got a brand new starter behind you. And if anybody needs the help, it's that guy. Whether it's Spencer Rattler or not, 
if that offensive line is anything less than good, that guy's going to get pelted. And that guy's going to throw a bunch of interceptions. And this season feels really tenuous for me. Like, I'm not, I'm not at all confident about OU getting back to the college football playoff. And I'm certainly not going to just... I'm going to pick Oklahoma against the field in the Big 12 because I just don't think the Big 12 is that good. But if they get if they get exposed, they're going to get exposed early because the schedule is a monster and I don't know. I, I just, I did not come away from this press conference feeling like everything is all right with Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. And it, it then kind of, for me, begs the question, is there more pressure in this offseason on whoever assumes that quarterback position, or is there more pressure on this offensive line to meet those expectations? Because I, I understand that everyone's going to automatically think quarterback because whoever is that guy, he has to lead Lincoln Riley's office. But at the same time, if you're this offensive line and you have this many returning players and you're not considered something that can be constant – that's got to be something that bothers you, especially when you not only factor into the passing game, but you factor in a ton in the running game, and you're probably getting Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, T.J. Fledger, Ramondre Stevenson all in that rotation. I mean, if this offensive line is not able to be that catalyst within this offensive system, uh, this whole thing could fall apart. Now, I'm not indicating that it will. Again, we don't really have all the answers. But at the same time, that to me is just so telling. So, look, I'm with you. I, I've never been, I guess, as sold on the idea that it's just another cakewalk for Oklahoma if they lose one game and basically coast the rest of the way. I think it's a pretty easy schedule. I think there are a lot of other teams that are really rising up in people's eyes. I think Florida is obviously making those steps. Georgia's getting a transfer quarterback that a lot of people think can really help them. I mean, just the list goes on and on. So, yeah, I think that at this stage, to hear what was talked about, especially on the offensive side, and then you factor in maybe some inexperience, some suspensions, you, you probably have to be sitting here, I don't want to say concerned, but maybe just a tad bit worried that this may not go as planned. Am I off there? No. No, because I, I've said for – Four years now, Oklahoma's led a charmed existence in large part because whenever we talk about the college football playoff and we talk about Oklahoma getting in in November and whatnot, everything that is needed to break OU's way has broken OU's way. And in a year where folks weren't necessarily sold on them being the fourth best team to begin with and they go and lay an egg, now you're really going to have to show everybody that you deserve to be in that playoff beyond a shadow of a doubt because every other time you get put into this thing, you get run. You know, you give up a 17-point lead to Georgia and that's your best showing. Got absolutely mm -hmm. destroyed by Alabama in the first friggin' quarter and it's 49-14 LSU at the half. So I, I get that 2021 is the year that everybody's going, yeah, o Oklahoma's loaded for bear that year, but you got to get through 2021st. And you're trying to do that yeah. while securing a really good 21 class. And you can't do that if you play like crap. And by crap, I mean you lose four games. That's all she wrote. Like I don't I don't see you. That's I true. Because like, like Tennessee is on its way up. 
I know that there's a lot of people that are overlooking that, but if they pull a rabbit out of a hat and they end up with Zach Evans and and they play defense the way that I think they'll play defense, good luck with that. Baylor's going to be interesting because Aranda's in his first year and I don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but I'm Jacob Zener looked good against Oklahoma. Texas is going to be Texas. Texas Christian's going to be better because Max Duggan gets better. Iowa State's going to be a, a real tough out. Kansas State beat you last year. They returned a bunch of what they had. I mean, I can keep going down the list and say West Virginia, Kansas, those are the two that you should beat. Other than that, everybody else is going to be coming for your head. And you got to go you got to go you got to go to West Point this year. So uh, that's what I was going to say. And as we know, Army ain't no guarantee either. So I don't know that you're necessarily comfortable about that trip out there. So that's what's really interesting to me and and I I'm I just want to see how they handle themselves. Now, again, I feel like we should touch on it. I don't think either of us are saying that, no, Oklahoma will not make the playoff or they will lose the Big 12 or they're going to lose four games. I just think that I don't want to say this this spring maybe has a few more concerns than in years past, but it just feels like to me there might be just a tad more uncertainty at this stage than there has been recently. And so – that, for me, is what's very, very intriguing about this coming spring. I think we're going to get a lot of those questions answered. I would at least hope for the sake of that program. But at the same time, it also makes you wonder how that uncertainty might carry over once the fall rolls around. Well, let's talk about the one subject I know we would get yelled at if we didn't talk about, which is quarterback. Riley actually gave, a, I thought, some insight into how he feels about Mordecai and or Rattler, but more Rattler than Mordecai, I believe, in saying, hey, look, we fielded some uh, we fielded some queries about whether or not we would like a grad transfer at quarterback, and we told them all we feel real good about what we have here. We feel great about Rattler and Mordecai, and he said, I think both of these guys have what it takes to be the starting quarterback, to which I'm going, uh-huh. And then he said, I think it's a lot like Kendall and Kyler in 2018 where we had guys that are inexperienced, but they're experienced here. To which I said, uh-huh, because we all knew how that was going to go. And not only did it go how we, got it, how we thought it was going to go, it got embarrassing for Austin Kendall. Like the more I think about this, the more I think he got jobbed. And I, and I think Mordecai is at risk of this because... Kyler got drafted into the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, number nine overall, and is basically told, telling the A's, I'm playing football, and they say, cool, go play football. So we know where his attention is. Nobody's expecting him to put together the season that they put together. Expect him to be good, but not that good. And then the dude wakes up late one day for practice, sleeps through some of practice, shows up, to practice, finds out you're not going to start against Baylor. But that's not how it's communicated to Austin Kendall's parents. His mom tweets that her baby boy is finally going to get his just due. And he goes out there for a series and gets the hook. And now his mom's Twitter account is forever protected. Then he comes in the in January expecting to be the guy. No, I went to go get Jalen Hurts because, well, I don't think you're good enough to to help us get where we need to go after sitting here for three years waiting your turn. I think Mordecai is setting up for that because at this point, Rattler's already run off Bryce Young. He's probably going to run off Tanner Mordecai because that kid wants to play and I don't blame him. 
And if there's any argument to be made about Caleb Williams, it's that what if Rattler needs an extra year? What if he's not gone after 21? So, like, there's a lot riding on Spencer Rattler being really good. And I don't see how Lincoln gets away with saying Tanner Mordecai is my starting quarterback against Missouri State unless Rattler's just god-awful. And I don't see that being the case. It, it would For me, it would have to be Spencer Rattler is injured, so we're going to go with Tanner Mordecai. Because if you don't throw that guy out there, then you're going to start raising some questions about yourself. I mean, think about it. I mean, this is Lincoln Riley's guy. He's one of the few quarterbacks that he actually recruited as a youngster out of high school and groomed him as a five-star to be the heir apparent for his oh-so-coveted quarterback position, one that sends guys to the NFL in the blink of an eye. I mean, if that guy is not your dude come week one, wouldn't that be a little bit concerning for everyone in the college football world? I think it would be. So at the same time, I think you're right. There's a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler's shoulders to meet that expectation. But at the same time, I feel like if anyone is going to be able to meet that, it is Spencer Rattler. Just because of who he is, a player and a person, he's an ultimate competitor. He's the guy that always has an edge about him. I mean, I know a lot of people were giving him crap because he walked in the team to an OU basketball game and said, wow, look at him displaying the leadership. He's leading these guys into an, a basketball arena. He has immediately assumed the throne. But at the same time, I mean, there's got to be something to say about this dude immediately culminating his peers' respect. So that's why I'm maybe a little bit more sure of Spencer Rattler at this stage than, say, like the offensive line. I don't know. That's how I view the situation, but I'm, I, I know – that we have a long way to go, and, and Spencer still has to do a lot of learning and a lot of developing before he takes the field in week one and then has to put it on show in front of the whole world. But I, I do think, though, that, again, the only way Spencer Rattler is not starting for the Oklahoma Sooners and, and playing pretty well is if he is injured in the process of preparation. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about what he can do on a football field. I I am worried about how he looks based entirely on what's around him because Rambo, as as Riley said, is going to have to be their leader whether he wants to be or not because he's just that guy this year. And people forget he came in with C.D. Lamb and he was one of those guys that was supposed to be coming out early as well. But I want to take it into, into that direction by citing very simply that we've never seen OU be this young uh, with with Riley as head coach, right? We've always seen, like even that 2018 uh, squad had a tremendously uh, experienced, not veteran, tremendously experienced offensive line and experienced at wide receiver. I mean, Basically, what, 2016 might have been the last time they were really that young on the offensive line? Am I getting that wrong? Let me see who's on. Probably in the ballpark. Okay, all right. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not sold on this season. I'm just not. Like, and by, <laughs> uh, and by saying that, like, it's been 12-2, and 12-2, 12-2. So 12-2, and two, like, clockwork. But, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I did this time last year. I, I just don't. And when you talk about should the college football world be a little bit alarmed, I'm going, 
yeah, I would be. I'm not mm-hmm. good. I, I, I picked Alabama to win so, the national championship, and, and I'm going to stick to that. But, like, my goodness, man. Like, I'm looking at Ohio State right now, who's down to the third-string tailback for spring because Master Teague might be out for the year. And I'm going, you know what? I like them better on defense than I like Oklahoma. You know, I I, I look at the Pac-12, and I see Oregon just loaded for bear. You know, yeah. I, I, I look at Texas, and at the very least, I see Bijan Robinson, and I like that. Roshan Johnson and, and Keonta Ingram fill it out. I love Jake Smith in the slot. You have trees at wide receiver and Malcolm Epps and – Brennan Eagles, and they got tremendous experience last year coming back on that defense. I just keep looking around, and I keep talking. George is going to be a monster. Forget Jamie Newman. Like, you're actually going to be able to have Kendall Milton, Zamir White, uh, I'm missing, Kenny McIntosh. Like, you could just, any one of those dudes you can hand the ball to. I I compare Oklahoma to the, to the college football elites, right? Do you think that Oklahoma is going to put together a better season than LSU? At this stage, I would say no. Right. And that's worrisome to me because LSU just has 16 guys going to the scouting combine. Like, if anybody should be rebuilding, it's them. And Oklahoma's young, but... I mean, you lost Kenneth Murray, you lost Parnell Motley, Neville Gallimore. We could talk about... Laurent Stokes and and Redmond, who we touched on a little bit, need to step up. But again, I just, I want them to show me. I guess that's what I'm saying. I want them to show show me that I need to shut up. And I guess I'm not going to be able to say that until, what, Missouri State? If that? (laughs) Yeah, you probably have to wait because I don't know if Missouri State is truly the the validifying test. But I I think... Okay, so I'm I'm taking all of this in as you're saying it, and okay. I think the, the the big question for me is what do you do, truly define successful? Because I think when you ask the question, for example, will Oklahoma have a better season than LSU? I think a lot of people look at it on paper and say, okay, if Oklahoma wins another Big Twelve title and LSU, let's say, just makes it and loses to like a a, a Georgia or a Florida NFC title game. Well, then a lot of people would say Oklahoma got the advantage. But at the same time, I think we're also having to adjust to the current circumstances being the fact that maybe the Big 12 title isn't necessarily considered enough. And that's what's kind of my big deal. I think when you talk about how young this group is, we talk a ton about the receivers, right? We talk a ton about the offensive line. We talk a ton about the defensive line and linebackers. But I'm also looking at this group, and I'm saying – Austin Stogner and Brayden Willis and Jeremiah Hall are going to have to completely step up at the H-back spot, and all of those guys are just going into their second year of true playing time. I'm looking at the safety group, and I'm thinking Broyles is banged up. DeLaire Turner-Yell is banged up. So you're asking guys like Jeremiah Cordell and those other youngsters to really fill in time, especially because Jamal Morris has now moved to linebacker. And then, oh, by the way, I mean – how the heck are they going to fill those cornerback positions and feel good about themselves? I mean, I, I think a big deal about this team is I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to win the Big 12 championship. I, I feel very confident in that. I'm not sure how you feel. But at the same time, my thing with this squad is that maybe the title within your conference is not 
the bar you have to meet. I think now it's a title game or bust, and that's the final title game. And and I don't know at this stage, not only because of how young this group is, like you're mentioning, but because of the, the rest of the college football world and where they're at, I just don't know that that is where this group can go. And for that reason, that's where my concern is created. Is I think that a lot of people are going to have a lot of expectations that they had for maybe a, a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray-led team. But at the same time, it wasn't just those two that helped them reach those heights. It was the bevel of pieces around them. And that's where what you're talking about comes into consideration. Does Oklahoma have the guys around Spencer Rattler to get to a playoff contention spot? I just don't know that at this stage you can truly say confidently that they do. I think, again, it's enough to win the Big 12 championship. But right now, man, if they're not one of those final four, that's got to feel like a disappointment in my book. Or a bullet dodged. Like, winning the Big 12 is like being All-State in Rhode Island. It You know, it, yeah. for, for all the help it does for you getting – it's showing up in the college football playoff. It can get you there, but showing up there uh, – Colin, we could keep going about this for days, but we're going to get back on it on Thursday. Uh, follow Colin at CKennedy247 on the Twitters. He has been making the rounds, getting XFL content, getting down to Houston for recruiting camps, getting to Eldell Mitchell for what is turning out to be a pretty outstanding OU baseball squad. We'll talk about the weekend's matchups on Thursday. Colin, thanks so much for sitting down doing this, man. Always fun, my man.